Hello and welcome to The Politics of Peterborough, the podcast where we chat with the people who have been elected to make decisions about our city and those who try to influence them. I'm your host, Dave Adcock, and this is part two of our conversation with Councillor Fitzgerald. Peterborough used to be a destination shopping city Mm. uh, anchored by John Lewis and Queensgate. With its departure uh, and the ever-increasing move to online shopping, what's the council's strategy to stop the city centre's downward decline? There are two elements to this. So I was quite irked the other day. You know, you asked me about social media. Somebody put on social media about Beals. The man man on Beals had gone online to say, you know, something about business rate, this, that and the other. And somebody had put, you know, oh, I suppose Councillor Fitzgerald had the head buried in the sand. My, my reaction is, what's it got to do with me? It's his store. He can choose what he wants to do with it. I can't tell him, as a landowner, business owner, what to do. If he comes to us for help and advice, yes, we can do that. But, but everything is not the council's responsibility. The same with Queensgate. You know, Queensgate is a multi, multi million pound investment company. We work very closely with Queensgate and obviously we've now got a bid district of which the centre manager of Queensgate uh, heads heads that up and it's very involved. So look, of course we can do all we can to help support businesses, hence the bid, which we were instrumental in, uh, in organising. But we can't force companies to stay open or, uh, let's get it clear, The council don't charge business rates. We collect them on behalf of the government. The government and the valuation office set the business rates, not us. A common misconception that people don't understand. They think shops are being charged council tax by the council, not at all. It was a major blow when uh, John Lewis closed for the city, in my view. Devastating for many. I've heard people say, oh, we don't come into Peterborough anymore. There's no reason to come into Peterborough. There's no John Lewis. Well, not two months ago, the investors in uh, Queensgate were in my office telling me about their plans for Queensgate. And as you'll know, a lot of shopping centres have turned to leisure uh, uh, because people have to look to themselves as to who to blame. And I would ask you, what was the last thing you bought from Amazon? A printer cartridge. Yeah, whereas previously you might have gone into John Lewis or to PC World or somewhere else to buy it. So we're all guilty of the downturn in trade in high street retail. But there are some exciting plans coming uh, for Queensgate, I I understand, with new retailers, attractive retailers uh, that are are due to move in. But I think it's taken such a long time to reach a settlement with John Lewis on their existing lease it's not just a question of they quit, you know, money has to change hand and contracts have to be, leases have to be terminated, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why it takes some time. But I'm, I'm assured that there are exciting opportunities coming. Uh, I believe there's some leisure going in there already in terms of its um, indoor leisure. Uh, the uh, um, restaurants and the cinema. So Queensgate is reinventing itself as a lot of other shopping centres have had to do in the high street. And look, you go to some places where the window cleaner brings a sander because they're all boarded up. You, that's not, has never been the case in Peterborough. Our, our void rates have been very, very low and that's good. Look around the square, how many restaurants and eateries and, you know, have opened and remain open. So people are investing in Peterborough and I know the John Lewis thing was a blow, but you know, 
people should blame themselves for that. I don't agree with the chief executive of John Lewis for closing it. I, I don't think she had strong enough reasons, but it wasn't the only one that closed. Um, and but life moves on, and the high street will never be the same again. But I think Peterborough has a vibrant economy. Uh, I'm hoping the nighttime economy will also improve as the numbers of university students start to increase over the uh, months and years ahead. So, again, I'm glass half full. I'm positive about the city. I'm not going to run it down and say it's a bad place because overall, I don't think it's a bad place. Do I think it could be better? Yes. The new market has now been officially opened. Uh, is it what you hoped it would be? Again, you know, I have to hark back to my days as a, a young lad and markets with cobbles and market halls and stalls. Those days have gone. People hark on about our market. Well, let me tell you, most of the traders on that market never paid their rent. So let's not be confused about what a financial success it was. It was of its time. And what's going there in its place will be great. You know, Cross Keys will be building a, or are building a great development there. Much needed uh, uh, properties at affordable rents. Let's be clear about that. The council netted 4.1 million. Why the PT continue to print nonsense is beyond me. They put it as 1.6 million. Yeah, there was, a, there was an early figure about a valuation. But look, I know we got 4.1 million back into the council coffers for the sale of that land, etc., etc. Okay? That's money back into the council. Secondly, we got some funding from the command authority that made the development possible, some 13, 14 million pounds, and cross keys are cracking on with the job. So the market now, what, I, what I'd like to see is a vibrant modern market with you know um, the opportunity to expand or pop up as needed. And what we've got in Bridge Street, you know, particularly with the food hall, which looks fantastic, I'm sure the traders are happy they're doing more trade and footfall where they're located from where they previously were. Look, there's teething troubles and things have taken longer, you know. The wood wasn't available or, the, you know, somebody put the wrong lock on the door. Or, but, you know, that's that, just things. But fundamentally, we've moved us on to a new position. Uh, and again, you know, I, I, I use the guy in the street now, whereas I, I probably wouldn't have gone around to the market before because it was out of the way. So all these people, I hope they do well. I hope the council starts to get revenue from the people rather than getting nothing or very little before because people just didn't pay. So I'm, hope, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have good things from there. And I think we can expand it further down Bridge Street as required or further up Bridge Street with pop-up stalls and the like. Um, and uh, I'm confident that actually demand will dictate what happens, won't it? So if people need more market stalls, then we'll accommodate them. If they don't, why would we want to do it? Des on Twitter wants us to ask about the embankment. So let's start with the new university, which has opened its doors to students for the first time last month. What do you make of it now it's up and running? Look, the city council, let's be clear, the city council drove this project from the outset. And I'll use the term in a friendly way. It was then hijacked by the combined authority under James Palmer, so it's not a political dig. Um, and, 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 but I have to say, you know, look, 
the, the command authority have been great. You know, we've all been working collaboratively to bring this together. And the council have a financial stake in the uni in terms of the property side of things. The property is owned, uh, sorry, the land as such and property. Um, so the council retains a stake in that. It's something that, you know, my predecessor, John Holditch, had a, a, a great deal of, uh, of a hand in and should be um, applauded for the work he put into that. As all the current people involved now to see it through to where it is. Um, Ross Renton is a great guy, you know, he's doing a fantastic job and he's got a team around him that are driving it. I just hope it moves quickly because there's, um, it's been so long in the making, but it looks fantastic. You know, if, you, if you've been around long enough, you'll know that that was the Warina. So it's not exactly not been built on before. Um, and there are plans for up to six phases or six buildings, if you like. This, I think the third building is in for planning now. So it's great. They've got a plan and they've laid that out. And I'll be supporting uh, uh, Ross and the team and ARU uh, to further enhance the opportunities. But what people want to see is they want, they want people doing things, building things, making things, you know, not studying uh, some kind of psychology and queen uh, a degree in queen hits or something you know they want people doing stuff so it's more i see it more of a practical place and i, I think i think that's great and the other thing is that, you know if it keeps people in their hometown and indeed brings people in from out the city that's good for the economy it's good for businesses it creates jobs it brings talent to the city and we should nurture that so i think that's really great so so far on the uni side of things i think it's growing going great Originally, it was sold as a as an independent Peterborough University. Obviously, that's not what it's turned out to be with the partnership with with ARU. I think there's a review due to take place in five years' time as to whether it will potentially move in that direction. Do you think that's still likely, or do you think we'll see this as a, a long term partnership? My question would be: Does it matter if we're providing good education for the kids, university education? Does it matter? Um, but yes, there is a there is a provision in the agreement. I can't remember if it's five years or ten years. Where at some point it might be at the University of Peterborough, and if it is, it is. But me, I'm not going to get hung up about it. You know, we've delivered a university in Peterborough. So what if it says ARU? You know, are people going to get upset about that? Not really, because it'll still be Peterborough's university, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, if it changes, if it changes, if it doesn't. Me personally, other people may have a different view, of course, but my view is I'm not going to get worried about it. In March, the Embankment Master Plan framework was released with potential designs with options which included an arena or not. Um, we'll get on to that moment, uh, in a moment, but um, neither design included space for the athletics track. Uh, Barry Warren asks, apart from hosting a high level of competition, the athletics track is a hub for sports-minded youngsters. The central location is ideal and a track on campus is the envy of many universities. Does the council understand what a huge asset it is to the university in its current location? We have to take into account a wide range of views and there's been discussion with the um, running track. And by the way, I'll be perfectly clear, I never asked for it not to be included or to be included. It's the people that we employed in their professional opinion that showed those options in that way. And I, I don't have to agree with many of them. Um, my own personal view is that I'd like to see a sports village established. Not necessarily there because I don't think it has the infrastructure. But for example, at uh, Neen Park Trust, um, 
where they're doing the climbing wall, as you know, and the very outdoor sports type events. Wouldn't be fantastic if we had a new facility with proper parking and access, with proper club facilities. You know, just just that's just me throwing that out there. I'm, you know, there's no plan to do that. I'm just saying, for example, um, you know, but there are no plans to do anything with anything on the embankment at the moment. We don't have plans, nor do we have the money. What we've done is ask what the art of the possible is. Um, and the people showed it without that. But I don't know what the university think about the suggestion of having it on campus. I'm, I'm not even sure if they're, you know, if they're doing uh, that as part of their curriculum or not. I, I don't actually know. So um, I, I have friends in the running club. Um, so I know all about their concerns. And they were spoken to as part of the process of the master planning, even though perhaps they... It might have been a couple of weeks later, uh, but everybody is aware. But people are getting too agitated, shall we say, about what is a master plan. It's not a given that any of it will happen. Now, the posh co-owner, Stuart Thompson, recently released a statement saying that the club hadn't had any contact with the council since the master plan public hearings and stated that it's time to get back round to the table. Previously, you've been very positive about the possibility of the stadium being located on the embankment. So where do you stand now? It's kind of a little bit... Um, I'm seeing him later today, funnily enough. Um, it's, it's a rather odd thing. I get on very well with uh, uh, Randy Stewart-Thompson. Um, he's quite a character, uh, and he, he shares a similar personality to me. So uh, let, let's just be clear about a couple of things. So the ball, and no pun intended, is firmly in the football club's corner so they expressed an interest about the possibility of building an arena and there are some for that and there are some against it and i and i, and I accept that but it is up to them to take that forward it is not the council proposing to build an arena our role in this would be if a planning application was received then we must determine that planning application but there are some complications to it in that that area of land is not in the local plan. So it would be have to be treated as an exception to the local plan. It could even go as far as the Secretary of State for a decision. So those are the kind of things to lay out. There are some heritage issues, historic England, etc., or English heritage, about cathedral views. So should they should they draw a red line round the plot where they want to build it? They then have to submit a planning application, but, but this is the nub. It's £750,000 it will cost them to do that because they have to go through the process of doing it. So that, I'll come back to, that's their money, not our money. And at the end of that, there is no guarantee that they would get planning permission. But let's assume that they did. We would then have to settle, if we were minded to, on selling them the bit of land for a price, not free, that was commercially, you know, it would be properly valued, that was commercially acceptable. So that's that. And then they would have to get on and build it. But this is not, this is not something we're driving. Now, what I've said publicly is that in principle, and it comes back to making more use of the embankment as a whole this is not about this is not about an arena 
because I'd like to see, you know, restaurants, cafes. I, I, I mean, I've been to many a city where the riverfront is is where it's at. And our riverfront, frankly, is 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 somewhat lacking. And the embankment, and I know there's a view that it's a lovely place, this that it's not. It's not nobody uses it in reality. And we could talk about all the bad things that go on there, but everybody knows about that. So all I'm trying to do is is make the place a better place. So families, picnics, you know, it's in use all year round. It's not just a muddy field. Now, whether that's the embankment, uh, sorry, an arena or not arena, that that's, again, it's not for me to determine. I have a personal view on it that I'm, I, I think it's a good idea, but I would have to, that's not saying I'm, oh, yeah, gung-ho. I've got to see a planning application before I go, yeah, I'm behind that or I'm not behind it. In principle, I'm behind the redevelopment of the, of the embankment area, whether it includes an arena or not, okay? So it's dead, dead simple. So I'm not predetermined in planning. I'm not saying, you know, it's definitely that because you've got to see the detail. And everybody's getting rather vexed about it and it's caused a lot of, you know, um, there's a for and against. Ah, again, I accept that. But there's nothing to be for and against at the moment. It's just a suggestion. The time to be for and against is when somebody puts a planning application in. Then you can be for or against based upon the facts before you as laid out in a planning document. So that's it. But the embankment area, we could make a lot more of, particularly in the river, whether it be bars, restaurants, you know, stuff like that in terms of go to any city that's got a river and see what, see what they do with this. Would going ahead with the arena there allow for or encourage the investment to get the rest of the embankment sorted to a standard that actually it then becomes the jewel in the crown in the yeah, centre of people. That's what the, that's the expression I've used, jewel in the crown, before, because, you know, I want to see tree-lined avenues, paths, you know, proper lawn garden areas. Now, I don't want a concrete all over, you know, and, and so it, so the, the Lido, I'd like to bring that into more use all year round and make proper use of the area. So it's a bit like Fletton Keys, you know, the council being the anchor tenant there, kick-started that whole development. And you've got to sometimes be bold and have the vision. And also, you know, I do accept and I respect people's opinions, but sometimes, you know, you just have to be bold. That's, that's all I will say. But as for consultation, but beyond a no illusion, people's views will be taken into account about any development of the embankment, which is not the case at the moment. The master plan itself, I didn't, I, I, I didn't agree with it. And where, where, for example, it was shown that the arena would go, I totally disagree with, and so does Ross, Ross Renton. The club wants it nearer the riverfront, and I think that's more appropriate anyway. It keeps the separation between the uni, allows for expansion, etc., etc., etc. That's only my personal view, and I can't wave a magic wand and give them anything. They have to follow proper process. So to be clear, the club might try and paint it in a different way. The ball is in their court. Simon asks, will council change their planning approval process to support Mayor Nick Johnson's drive to safeguard bus services so housing and commercial planning must include a direct link to bus services? I can't tell you what the Mayor Nick Johnson will do. Um, I've told him he's not up to the job. Um, I've gone on record saying that my mind hasn't changed on that. He's given me no, no indication that he's capable of being mayor and delivering, you know, like Andy Burnham, for example, who's a Labour mayor, I have a great deal of respect for. 
um, or Andy Street in Birmingham or Ben Houchen. Cambridgeshire is in a mess when it comes to the combined authority. There's no other way of saying that. But on the other hand, again, I, I'm positive. I'm going to do what I can to support uh, the combined authority. We're, we were a founder member of it and we're the largest urban conurbation in the county. And, you know, uh, we, we benefit from a great deal of funding. But it is in turmoil. And the mayor needs to set out what his policies are and how he's going to deliver them, particularly on public transport, something I mentioned last night at the council meeting. You know, he's been in post, what, I don't know, 18 months, something like that, and we've no transport policy yet. Um, the bus thing is, um, you know, is, is what it is at the moment. And he's, he's said that we're going to retender, or the command authority is going to retender all those services uh, immediately. That's fine, but what they're going to do after six months? It's a really difficult dilemma. In June, the ancient oak tree was felled within your ward and it was promised that 100 replacement oaks would be planted around the city to go some way to mitigate that felling. Yeah. How many of those 100 replacements have been planted to date? I can't give you a specific number. Uh, I could have asked me, but as you know, I've been ill um, so and remain so today. I believe that a significant number have already been done. I did one myself, as a matter of fact, part of the Queen's canopy. Uh, so if we say we've committed to doing something, then we'll have started the process already. It's always unfortunate. It's always tricky when these things come up. It's not for the first time that, you know, trees have to be removed. I remember outside here in Bridge Street, uh, strangely enough, there used to be a road. There were no trees. And we had to take some trees out too long, uh, not too long ago. Well, yeah, a few years, but because the trees were killing each other. But the amount of grief about that... You know, I mean, my personal view on the trees in Bridge Street now is they're now going into the windows of the building. So you've got to put trees in the right place. That's the, that, that's one fundamental thing. And the tree planting that we're doing is well underway. I did one in Central Park not too long ago. But it's not the council's policy or desire to remove trees under any circumstances, really, unless we have to. But there are difficult decisions to be made, and that was one of them. And by the way, I stayed out of it on the basis that I didn't have any authority to say, stop doing it. I checked. Can I stop this? The answer was no. So what am I supposed to do? Really difficult. The council aims to meet net zero targets by 2030. Do you think that's realistic? Do I think it's, re do I think it's realistic? We signed up to it. Do I think it's realistic? Again, a challenge. Because with all these things, it comes with a cost. So one of the things that we'll be looking at, because we have to, is what is the cost of net zero to the council? Because the aspiration and the spirit of it is correct. And we are doing our best and we've made great inroads in getting to where we've got. But we need to do more. I think we're still a way away. So I think we need to be start looking at targets, milestones, and whether they're achievable. And whether we not we have to say whether it is realistic or not so i'll have i'll have officers work on those um challenges when we got past the first challenge we're speaking the day after you voted against moving the council to an all-out election schedule uh, you stated that you didn't feel that now was the right time to change methods but that it should be reviewed again in the future is that because the current national polls show labor with a 25 percent lead no it's not because of that there are, there are a number of reasons for the stance we took. As I said last night, 
all our elections have positive aspects, but they also have negatives. Nick Sanford spoke about some in terms of it can completely alter the makeup of the council. And if you lost a large number of councillors that were experienced and had the um, background and the knowledge, where does that leave you the day after when you wake up after the bombshell hit, which has happened to the county council, Huntingdonshire council and South Cam's council that are all on all outs, by the way. So the, the pros are that it gives you some kind of certainty, but it's more from an officer point of view about decision making rather than looking over your shoulder about elections. Our problem is about control. It's not about the electoral cycle. Um, and that to me means having the authority to make decisions without having to compromise all the time, which can affect the quality of those decisions. So it's not the right time now. And nobody gave me any evidence to suggest that our current electoral cycle has anything to do with where we are financially. Because even if we'd gone for all outs and we go to an election, let's say next year, and we're in exactly the same position. So we're in no overall control. We're now just in no overall control for the next four years. And we'll still be having the same arguments and bun fights around budgets and things like that. You just won't have the elections uh, to, to interfere. But you still won't be able to agree anything or get anything done. And it leads to weak, poor decision making and compromises. Now, I don't mind who's in charge in the sense that, you know, well, I do. I want it to be us, obviously. But in the sense that the same principle would apply is what, what I'm saying, you know, whether it was us or whether it was Labour or, you know, coalition. Um, so you need people that have a strong point of view and have the boldness again i use that word to to implement what you believe in because at the end of the day we're elected to do that otherwise people might as well come and make the decisions themselves and first past the post which was also discussed um it to me is is a sensible way of doing it i, I the opposition don't like it because they never get they never get anywhere because there aren't enough people want them simple as that do you agree with the lead reviewer for the external assurance review on governance when he stated that the current system has resulted in short termism amongst the council? To some degree, but again, it's not one thing or another. It's not the be all and end all. So Andrew Flockhart, who is uh, I respect entirely, was the lead uh, reviewer on that. And I, as a matter of shows, I shows I don't hold it against him. I asked for him to be on the improvement panel. Uh, because I think he's a decent level-headed guy. But he's a former chief executive, and it's his personal view, I think, uh, and that of many, that favour all-out elections, because it suits officers more than it suits politicians. But there's no evidence to me that's been put before me. And also, if we were still in the same position we were 18 months ago, there may be an argument to say, you need to change what you're doing. But the electoral cycle has not made any difference to the progress I think I've made or the council has made in the last 18 months. And the public expect you, as Nick said, Stanford said last night, you know, you're accountable every year to them or every, you know, your party is in terms of the way you might perform either as a city or in, in each ward. So look, I'm not saying never because I can see the benefits of it. And there are many in my group that also see that, but I've got others who are dead set against it. So that's why I said not for now, but perhaps let's return to it when we're in a better state in terms of where we are as the council overall. 
After a response rate of 0.14% on the recent consultation for the change in election frequency and a 30% turnout at the last local elections, do you think the Peterborough public are engaged enough in the future of the city? No, they're not. They don't even know you exist. The only time somebody knows who their councillor is generally is if it's on their doorstep. So they're digging up the road outside your house or somebody's not emptied their bin or, you know, there's some issue that affects you as an individual. Then you'll suddenly remember you've got a councillor or the council. But by and large, people are content with their lot, which is why they vote for you, because people will vote for you on an ideological position that you share the same values or the, the same outlook on life. So whether that's conservative, labor or whatever. So that's what I was talking about earlier. Those people will vote for you. And then there's the swing voters that will vote for you because, oh, it's that nice chap that came to see us or that nice lady we had the coffee morning with. So that transcends politics per se, and they will vote for you on the basis of what they know about you, what your reputation is, or what you've done for them, or how engaged you are in their community, or how much you make yourself known. So generally, though, and it's the same in all, nationals tend to do better uh, in, in terms of turnout. But local politics is difficult. You could take the budget, for example. You know, we do a consultation on the budget and I often say, why are we doing it? Because nobody really engages in, in the process other than, shall we say, political activists or those that are on the fringe of the political scene. Average man in the street or woman in the street, not interested. That's what they've elected you for. They only become interested when it either hits them in the pocket or something's on their doorstep. That sadly is a reflection of society that we live in. I'd love to be able to talk to people individually, which is why I do the ask the leader thing, by the way, because it's a real opportunity for people. But again, it's, you know, it's not easy doing that, trying to tease people out because it's generally issue based or they've got a particular problem, which I'm happy to help with. But politicians have got to be seen to be acceptable. I have one phone number, I have one email address for the council. People ring me. I often get calls from the switchboard uh, who've given them my number, which is amusing, but not so good when I'm in a meeting. So, but I'll talk to anybody, you know, even if it's not my ward, I'll try and help them or no, you need to speak to this person or I'll have that person ring you because our job or my job is to fundamentally try and help make people's lives better. What does success look for like for the Conservatives at the next local election? Three more seats, my friend. That would be success. Again, and it's not, I'll reiterate, it doesn't solve the council's problems, but it gives us certainty in decision-making about how we can take forward our plans for the city, which, you know, at the end of the day, as I said to you, if somebody else is in charge tomorrow, they're going to have the same money I've got, they're going to have the same constraints I've got, by and large, the same choices I've got, it ain't going to change remarkably. What you will notice is that, and I have noticed in your podcasts, you speak to opposition, whether it's, you know, your thing or anybody else's thing, and they talk about us and what we do, but they never tell you what they would do. What would you do instead? What budget lines would you take or improve or cut? Or what policy would you do? Nobody ever says they just chuck stones from the sides. <laughs> and watch the ripples, you know, spread out. But it's frustrating that, but it's reality, you have to live with it. After your 18 months in charge, what's your vision for what Peterborough will look like in 10 years time? 
Ah, well, that's a that's a very um, interesting question. Look, uh, in terms of, I'd like to see um, a skyline personally develop in Peterborough. Something I've said, which we don't have. You know, Station Quarter in particular. Why can't we have some, you know, nice shiny new towers? Because Peterborough geographically is not that big a place. So where do you go? You you've got to go up. Now again, controversial. The civic society will be all over me, but you know. Um, stuff like that. So I'd like to see a skyline develop in the city. I'd like to see us uh, uh, modernise but protect the architecture and the heritage that we've got. So en encompass all that. I'd like to see sustainable growth, uh, improvements in housing and education and indeed health outcomes, all the things we touched on earlier. Uh, so we can only do that, though, you know, within our own remit. Keep fighting the fight for the city in terms of funding and improving people's lives. So I think, you know, let's improve the quality time in terms of leisure uh, that people have in the city. And I think we're well served already, but let's enhance that. You know, when we talk about the embankment or Neem Park Trust or all these other great places that we've got. So I want Peterborough to be, you know, we're the fifth fastest growing city. I'd like us to be one, number one. Uh, but also, at the same time, with that growth, you know, let's improve the health and well-being of people that live here. So those things that we talk about in those league tables, that we're moving up those league tables. So life expectancy becomes uh, better in the city. You know, people's earning potential in terms of skills and the, uh, the jobs they have are better. So I want to drive the economy in order to improve people's lives. Now, we'd like to finish the podcast with some quick fire questions. As a councillor uh, or as the leader, what would you say have been your biggest success to date? Well, as a councillor, when I was in Breton, one of, one of the best things I did was build a water park, which sadly this year obviously got vandalised uh, in, in terms of uh, the arena. But it's, 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 it's lots of small things, you know, things like, uh, you know, we do put, I put a defibrillator in, in Longthorpe. Uh, that's a tiny thing but you know that may prove to be something that is really well a lifesaver uh in many ways so the my role in the formation of the uh, combined authority my work with the uni although as i say john holdich had more of a role in that what we're doing now but so far i so and since i've been leader so lots of small things as a councillor that i do daily the water park being the number one um because that's a big thing for Breton, who who didn't have a lot of stuff going for it since leader, um, I think I've turned the council around, you know, whether we were heading for the iceberg, uh, uh, you know, in November, December last year, uh, we've changed course uh, and we're going backwards uh, or, or, you know, whether we're standing on the precipice, uh, you know, we, we've taken 10 yards back, not out the woods, as I've said, in terms of the challenges financially that we face. So I'm proud that I'm leading the council. And I also think that people think I'm doing a good job not necessarily my uh, my uh, foes on the outside on on the worlds of social media but you know i i am only trying to do my best i don't you know try to deliberately upset people or you know go out my way to um cause problems you can only do your best and that's what i'm trying to do so where we are now from where we were 18 months ago i think i've got to say people were saying i think for me that's been an achievement and how about, do you have a, 
a biggest regret of something you haven't been able to do or something that, that happened you wish hadn't? Sometimes I wish things didn't come out the way they came out, e.g. the key theatre announcement or the hydrotherapy pool announcement, because at the end of the day, we knew what we were doing, we knew why we were doing it, and as it happens, it has all turned out. You know, our plan for the key theatre was always the plan to move it into Celador, um, but we had to do what we had to do because that's the advice we were given, and it all turned out great. So sometimes I get frustrated with the way things are communicated and they're regrettable sometimes. Um, so one tries to improve that all the time to avoid any surprises, both to the council and, to, and also to, to, to not cause unnecessary worry to staff and members of the public about services that they value and love so much. Nobody wants to see, you know, uh, anything close or anything stop, but we are having to cut our cloth accordingly. What's the one place in your ward that you would recommend the people of Peterborough visit? Holywell Ponds. That's my uh, thing at the moment. They've got a great group of people down there. If you haven't been down there, it's just off uh, Holywell Way. Uh, they're doing a, a fantastic job. They're kind of, you know, making that into a little nature reserve. And there's um, uh, a group of dedicated volunteers. Uh, they're just getting some funding from me through the council's leadership fund uh, for a storage unit to put all their tools. So that's a fantastic uh, place to go um, if you're in Longthorpe. Um, it's the current one right now. I'm sure there are plenty of others, but you asked for one. So. And finally, what piece of advice would you give to anyone considering standing as a councillor? Oh, crikey. <laughs> there's, there's, lot, there's lots of advice. Buy a tin hat. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you get that thick skin if you haven't got it, because you'll certainly need it uh, when, um, when, when you, if you ever find yourself in the bear pit or the council chamber, as it's uh, uh, commonly known. But I have to say, you know, uh, somebody said last night at the end, we have a little, you know, uh, sandwich and a, uh, well, sort of a crisp and a, a whatever, which, by the way, we pay for, um, uh, that how much better. Uh, the atmosphere in the council is um, since I became leader, which which I took as a real compliment um, because, you know, we, we might disagree on things and sometimes it does seem a little feisty, but that's the cut and thrust of politics. But, you know, after all that last night, we, we went and had, um, you know, um, I had a Coke actually, but, uh, you know, and, 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 and a crisp and a sausage roll. And you have a chat with people because at the end of the day, we are all people still regardless of what party or politics or view of the world you have. Councillor Fitzgerald, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks. And that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Councillor Fitzgerald for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at CLLR Fitzgerald. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you get each episode as soon as it's released. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at PoliticsPBORO. Please let us know what you thought of the episode. If you have any suggestions as to who you'd like to hear on the show, or any questions you'd like to put to our guests, you can email us at politics.peterborough at hotmail.com. This episode of The Politics of Peterborough was created, hosted, recorded and edited by me. We'll see you next time. <laughs>